Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire-charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by OnX Hunt, creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. Download the Hunt app from the iTunes or Google Play Store. Know where you stand with OnX. Okay, among others, we're joined by uh, Cody Cannon, Whiskey Myers. What's going on, man? Uh, is that a stage name? What? Was that your name you were born with? Cody Cannon? Yes. Dude, that's a great, great name for a musician, man. You're bound to be a rock star with a name like that. Dude, yeah. If you were a rock star named Steve Rinello, that shit ain't going to work. I think it worked. I think Cody Cannon, man. You're kind of a rock star. Well, I'm switching to Steve Fever. There you go. <laughs> and I'm going into the music business hard. Uh, having a little Copenhagen, huh? Yeah. Always. It's my vice. Is that One you? of the only vices I have left. And I don't think I can give it up. That's your flavor? Yeah. Spencer, did you used to dip? You look like a guy that used to dip. No. Really? A couple times uh, while out fishing in like 100 degree heat when I was in high that, school. That makes you want to have a dip? Uh, it made me not want to have one ever again. Yeah. I was wondering how long you'd get without addressing his dip in his mouth. Well, I it's the only thing. I it's the primary be, thing I'm interested in life. I, I didn't think it'd be the first minute. <laughs> <laughs> that was quick. Oh, the first thing out of my mouth. I saw that coat come out. <laughs> yeah, um, I got a little dip though. This is like church size dip. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Show, uh, show me your pinch size there, if you don't mind. Whoa. Like I'm saying not at church. I'm saying like Saturday night, half drunk. <laughs> oh, half drunk? Yeah. That much. <laughs> <laughs> the, whole, the whole 10. The upper and the lower. Do, do you ever fill in uh, upper and lower lip? No, no. I ain't that ignorant. That's just pushing boundaries. <laughs> yeah. That's just, that's just silly. All right. Chris, introduce yourself. I'm Chris Alexander. I'm the tour manager for Whiskey Myers. 
Uh, you chew? I do not. I used to. You quit? I, yeah. Was it difficult to quit? No. I did it when I played baseball when I was in school, and that was when I got done. I stopped. No Some, someone was telling us the other day that they used to actually mix um, gum and chew when they played baseball. The Terry Francona. <laughs> oh, is that what it's called? That's what it's called. Who was telling me this, too? He said it would make such a mess. Oh, Kurt Roscoe. What is that? Like you have great bubble gum on one side and you have... I don't, I don't know if it was Big other. League. You know how remember <laughs> yeah, when we were yeah, kids, dude? Oh, yeah, yeah, we like Big, big League chew. chew a lot when we were kids, man. She had like a pouch of shredded gum. <laughs> he was saying that when he played baseball, they would mix their chew and their gum. And he said when you were out standing there for a game doing that, it would generate so much spit that you would actually have a stained circle around you. <laughs> Like you'd build up a big chew stain area because it would just generate an enormous amount of saliva. I don't don't know if that's a universal name, but we refer to that as the Terry Francona. Is that a famous athlete? Uh, He's a famous baseball manager. Gotcha. So that's a real thing. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I can do that. (laughs) We had a musician in here one time. He was chewing while we talked to him, just like yourself. And uh, we were talking about a full stadium. Which it was explained to us is when you have the upper and lower deck. <laughs> and he said that's not what that's called. It's called a hog nut. Oh, no. <laughs> Which I have no idea what the hell. Yeah, I don't know about that. I've, I've, never, I've never tried it. I guess I'm going to have to try it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm missing out. We'll watch. <laughs> uh, last night, uh, Callahan was over and we were making... Some merguez, which is a you probably Corinne, you're you're uh, international enough to know what I'm talking about. That's delicious. Yeah. Did you have you had sumac, right? Not poison sumac. Merguez. No, we didn't is put normally, that in there. No, you didn't. Harissa sauce. Yeah. Okay. Roasted red peppers. Okay. Next um, time you got we put it. it in lamb casings, which is the yeah. worst thing on the planet to work with. Why is just, it just, just so dry? Like, no, they're just like it's just they're thin. Okay. But normally, they used to make. They used to make. Not even used to. I think you can still get them. Like if you got a latex allergy, they make condoms out of lamb casing. Huh. I wonder how. Like there's like a, such a thing as a natural a, condom. Never I wonder how effective or not that is. I don't know. It's hmm. bad for the lamb. <laughs> so. <laughs> if, Different uses of the animal. Oh, speaking of which, man, I haven't talked about this. I have a picture of this. I can't tell if I want to put it on Instagram because it won't. It won't perform well and it'll blow my metrics. But. uh we just found, uh, when I was with my kids hunting antelope, we found a coyote dropping. And in the dropping was a lamb cast. It was a castration band. Huh. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm talking yeah. yeah. Uh For you listeners at home, one of the ways they castrate, you can castrate stuff is you just take a, I remember this kid I grew up by, Paul Anderson was his name. They did it to their dog. Oof. With rubber bands. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked to that dude in a while. He'd be hard to look up on the internet too, because I got a feeling there's a thousand Paul Andersons. But um, he put rubber bands around his dog's scrow because they knew that they do it in the livestock business. This castration band looks like the size of a wedding ring. It's green rubber, and they'll just snake it around a lamb's. They'll snake it around his little scrow, and it strangles it. And somehow he got tangled up with a coyote, and the coyote ate the castration band, or whatever. 
Or he just ate a castration <laughs> brand, which is hard to picture. I think you're wrong. I think your audience would like that. Are you a fan man or a blade man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you the wife's like this? That's so good. My father-in-law is, yeah. We, we, we do both. We, we cut them and band them. Oh, please. So. Tell me more. I mean, that's... Can you walk us a, through it? What do you guys work with, cattle or sheep? Cattle. Okay, walk yeah. us through the process. I mean, we just... We process them, and when, when, uh, when he buys them, we, you know, we either band them or cut them. I really don't know why we do one or the other, to tell you the truth. I just kind of do what uh, what he tells me to. So, <laughs> but I, I, in great detail, cutting everybody well, can picture, right? You, you still, make an incision and snake them out. You still band them. You, uh, you, oh. you there's a tool, and you reach down and you put it around the testicles, and then you take a a, a a sharp knife or you know a scalpel is what we use, and you just cut. You make two incisions, and they just fall off. You know, within also t- with, the band works in it, conjunction with an incision, right? Over huh. what period of time? Uh, I don't know how long it takes them. Uh, probably, you know, days, maybe a week and they fall off and it's supposed to be better for them. I don't. So I don't what's why. your read now? It's cause you're so educated on this. Let's say you're wandering around with your kids and you find a coyote shit at this time of year, but it's old. Like, I don't know how old it was a dry area. So it wouldn't rot. You find a coyote dropping that contains a castration band. That would be a little larger band. In your head, but in your in head, would lamb. you be like, oh, he ate a castration band? Or would you be like, he ate a lamb and thereby got the castration band? I would. I could have jacked a nut. Well, does have, the castration yeah. band fall off eventually with, the, with yes. the, the scrotum? Yes. What's Jake and a nut mean? Did what? you say Jake the nut? I said maybe he just ate the nuts and not the lamb. Oh, I thought I said he jaked a nut. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know what that. But I'm gonna think of Hog something. Nut, I'm gonna think Jake of something nut. that that means. Yeah, <laughs> another uh, positioning of the chew in the mouth. Yeah, I'm gonna think of like I'm gonna do some kind of <laughs> yeah. inventive thing and call it Jake and the Nut and just act like it's always been called that. Um, so you feel that the band? Okay, so when you put the band on, and I know lamb and show me with your fingers how big a castration band is for cattle. I mean. It it goes down when you when you first put it on. It's probably that long, and you hook it, and then whenever you hook it around, it probably ends up you know that big. It honestly. So you could feasibly pass your fist through the castration band, like a bracelet. I would say so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because like I said, this one was like a wedding ring. Right. But here's the thing, I got so curious about it. First, I showed it to some livestock people. My buddy Doug, in particular. And he confirmed that that's a castration band, and then he sent me a link where I could buy that castration band. I could get a hundred of them for a couple bucks if I was in the mood. <laughs> um, they stick you on the tool. Right. Yeah. It's like you buy the tool and get the bands for free, basically. Um, <laughs> so you feel that when he's wearing the castration band, like you, you put the band on to apply pressure, make incisions for him to drop out. Does that band then fall away? It should, yes. Okay. So hmm. it could be on the ground and the coyote ate it, you know? Yeah. How do you know that, like, was there lamb hair there? Like, how do you know it's from a lamb? Because that's the kind of castration band it is. So my wife grew up on a farm, okay. and she had a cat wander into the yard one time, and they were checking out the cat, looking it over. They had never seen it before. And it had a castration band hmm. on it. And so I don't think they're, like, just exclusive to one critter, especially for uh, you don't frugal think, farmers. You don't think that a farmer threw that castration band he got into his lamb castration band bin and threw it on a cat. 
I'm just saying. Dude, there's no. I'm just saying. Okay. Also, okay. I, I cannot rule out. <laughs> Spencer, be like, what if it was on a human? What if what if someone likes the way it feels and it ate a person? Like out in ranch country, do I think it was a house cat? No, I don't know. It's a good idea though. So that, that, I've talked about this before, but I don't care. I'll talk about it again. We had a cat named Fig. This is kind of a long story. My dad tamed a wild house cat that we named Fig. He tamed it with fish heads because it would come around in the winter and he would just leave out bluegill and perch heads for it after cleaning fish. And he took a great liking to this cat. And he took the cat. There was a guy named Nels. Nels Carlson. Nels Carlson. He's a hog farmer. My old man took Fig over to Nels's house. To, so Nils, because he's castrated hundreds of pigs. My old man takes the cat over there, and I went with him. My brothers went with him, and they put that cat in a gunny sack, snipped a hole in the gunny sack, and snaked his little scrow out that hole. <laughs> and that cat <laughs> fought him off. They got a nick in the cat. The cat fought him off so viciously that they just said, never mind. The cat healed back up and lived its entire life intact. <laughs> Fought off a hog farmer. <laughs> and I remember getting so upset, I went into the house because the cat was just making a ruckus. Yeah. When I worked at the fish hatchery, we used castration bands and tools. On fish? No. <laughs> almost. Almost. When we would ship fish out, say you had like a fry-sized perch, which would be the size of your fingernail, we would put them in these contractor bags or probably like 13-gallon bags, mm -hmm. go water, fish, oxygen, and then to seal it up to make sure none of those things escaped, we would use a castration band with the tool and slide it over the garbage bag. Or to that's, get a good seal on the garbage that's bag. That's how we would close it. So we use them. Maybe I he mean, ate a sack of fish. Maybe. Hundreds of times a year we'd use that. That's cool. Huh. Mult it sounds, like, sounds like use, a multi-purpose. So. Did you ever use the trucks where you just pump them into the lake or anything like that? We, yeah, we, we would do that if we had bigger fish. But this, right. this would be an example where we were shipping it across the country uh, to somebody else. And these would just go in FedEx trucks, just like uh, all the crap you get from Amazon right next to them. Right. Could you use castration bands to do the, the those fancy silicone wedding rings you guys do? No, it's not like that because it's um I don't wear a wedding ring at all anymore. Me and my wife both quit. Hmm. Nothing about the status of our marriage. Just like I don't know, ten years, eleven years. Just over it now. No. I lost mine. <laughs> it's in a it's in an antelope. It's probably in a coyote's gut because I lost it gutting an antelope in Wyoming last year and just haven't gotten around to getting a new one. No women have talked to me or hit on me. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like people would say, like you're supposed to, you know, you wear a wedding ring to say, like that you. But I've hit, like I've like achieved an age where, um, it's just not like I don't need to have like an outward symbol demonstrating that I'm. I just smell kind of like. <laughs> I just look taken. <laughs> I don't need yeah, a yeah, ring to help that. people understand. I just look like just played out. <laughs> Yeah, I don't need a ring anymore. Um, huh, a couple things we got to cover. Oh, I have one last thing. Do you guys know the Southern writer? He's he died. Did you know the the writer Larry Brown? You ever hear of Larry Brown? Larry Brown. I'm not sure. 
What no. are you at? What is what? What's his father and son? Um, look up Larry. When you guys wind up looking up Larry Brown's, he had some stuff optioned by the Cohen brothers and stuff. He wrote a book called Fire, Father and Son. Some of his stuff's been made into movies. He was a good dude, man. Um, he was from Oxford, Mississippi. He was a firefighter, and you know when you're a firefighter, you have all that time between calls. So he wrote. Facing the Music, Dirty Work, Big Bad Love, Joe, On Fire, Father and Son, Faye, Billy Ray's Farm, The Rabbit Factory, Miracle of Catfish, that's what I'm fixing to talk about, and Tiny Love. Um, he, was, uh, he worked at a fire barn and would write when all the other guys were like working out and barbecuing and stuff, he would like go upstairs and write. He wrote seven novels before he had one published. He wrote a novel. One of his first novels he wrote was about a man eating bear in Yellowstone Park, and he'd never seen a bear and never been to Yellowstone Park. <laughs> and eventually got it together like, I should write about a dude. I should write about like the dudes that I know here yeah. in Mississippi. Yeah, for sure. And the dudes I grew up around. And instead of writing about bears and parks and whatnot, he started just writing about the dudes he grew up around and found like tremendous success. He was telling me this story. Someone mentioned, like you mentioned, dumping fish out of a truck. He was telling me one time about they would have these catfish where they'd raise catfish and they'd have the brood stock or like the big old catfish that would produce the, mm-hmm. um, that would produce all the eggs. And now and then they'd have to like let them go. And people would always let them go secretly. And he had somehow gotten a line on where they were letting these old giants go, you know. It would go and fish for him, and then that kind of made its way into a. It made a way into a his a novel that he wrote. Uh, a couple things to touch off on. You should have brought your guitar, yeah. because you know why we could you could have written a ditty, yeah, to introduce because we had a we wrote we had a song written to introduce one Giannis who's not here right now he's out on assignment, um, a ditty to introduce when Giannis does some reporting for us. Would it have to have been about castration bands and snuff? No, you could have done a you could have done a ditty introducing Spencer's this the ditty that we'll, we'll just play it, but the ditty that introduces Yanni's thing is like a little ditty. Then it goes Yanni's book report, <laughs> and you could make a ditty that introduces when Spencer explains something, a show segment. It'd be like Spencer's corner. Go ahead, Spencer. Don't don't. Oh, Start oh, with the. He did it. He did it. Oh, you made one up. How's it go? I just said dump, 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 dump. That'll work. Uh, start with the flock shooting deal. Then we'll get into the other stuff because you were telling me about that. Oh, this was just like right. This is fresh. Less news. than an hour from where we're sitting. You know, oh, distance wise to to drive there, and it's just from last weekend, which was opener. Um, but there was a, a BMA, which is private land that is leased by the state for public hunting opportunity. Um, and there were, it was reported 100 hunters flock shooting at a group of elk, which is, is hard to fathom. Can I give a little context of how I, I wasn't there mm-hmm. and I have read the article, Yep. but for instance, we had a very early snowstorm that we had a snowstorm that hit before firearm season opened. And it caused a lot of things that would happen later to happen early. I, 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 the day before that season opened, um, was aware of a herd of 250 elk 
they turned up down in a hay field they don't normally or an alfalfa field they don't normally turn up in. I wonder if it wasn't that a bunch of elk were filling into some area that happened to be a black management a BMA and word started to spread. It does. For sure. I've seen that. And people are like, you know where there's a bunch of them. So tell us more. Yeah, well, and, and with that snowstorm, we had like two or three days of record lows for most of the state. Specifically, I know Bozeman had record lows, so I, I would imagine uh, you're correct in that these elk showed up in a place they normally wouldn't. For was it weird that we had a record high and a record low within like a couple of weeks of each other? When was the record high? Wasn't there a record high around that day that the fire blew up? Oh, well, you're probably right. Yeah, it was really. really I think high. it was a record high for that. Like the day that, right around the day the fire blew up, there was a record high. But a record high just means like that day. Yeah, like it was the hottest that day ever. That seems pretty par for Montana. Yeah. I follow this uh, National Weather Service account that always shows the high and the low each day in Montana, and it's pretty awesome because there's like a 70 degree difference every Get day. Some big swings, yeah. yeah, between like Hardin, Montana, which is out east, and then West Yellowstone. West Yellowstone is like 90% of the time the coldest place in the state. Oh, it's a cold-ass place. Yeah. So with these elk, 100 hunters, <laughs> flock shooting a group of elk, 50 of the elk die. Um, it had to be like a pretty crazy scene. And there was an expectation that... It's like a, it's like a cliff drive. Yeah. I, I think there was an expectation that with all this... Uh, shooting going on and wounded elk uh, and what have you, that there was just going to be a whole bunch of tickets written. Out of the whole thing, there were only five tickets written, I think it was. Uh, Fifty of the elk were killed, and the citations were, were fairly minor. Greg Lemon said, we didn't write as many tickets as you'd think. <laughs> Hunters were <laughs> fortunate <you> <laughs> that not more elk were injured, but he went on to say, unethical hunting even if it's strictly speaking legal, makes all hunters look bad. It kind of gives the hunting community as a whole a black eye. So he was he was saying, despite there only being a handful of tickets, this was not a good deal. This was not on the up and up, this uh, flock shooting of elk. And they said that there were certainly wounded elk that got away. There's just like mm-hmm. not much as far as citations that can be written at this time. Nice work, guys. I've seen that on the news. <laughs> um, was it an organized effort? Like, I don't even know well, 100. That's I don't where, even know 100 people. But that's where... <laughs> <laughs> I was at, that was my first thought, is how did they get 100 right. people together? I, I talked to a warden once that worked a case where it was, where these guys got onto a herd and were texting, which is illegal. You can't use two-way electronic communications yeah. to coordinate. So if someone was saying, like, hey, I'll go around this way, you go around that way, over text or whatever right. that's illegal there, but I, then you have to start seizing phone records and i don't know there's a couple bmas in that area that i would have in mind like where this took place and there's like major roads that kind of run through them i would imagine that this happened where like a couple guys started shooting the elk running and just like they happened to pass by more and more people as they went i doubt that it was like 100 people within a you know a couple minute span shooting yeah. is probably was drawn out throughout the morning. Well, and, and I, I mean, I hate to say it, but this Sam is, Lundgren, ladies and gentlemen, this is this is far more common than than we might like to think. I saw um, a very similar thing happen quite a few years ago, um, and I think kind of what happens is like these these elk get pushed out onto their winter range. And then everybody sees them and everybody's got the same idea. I, oh, I've got the, I've got the secret. I know where they're at. And that, 
<clears throat> that's exactly what happened. We knew where a, a herd was. We knew where they were going up into the foothills and we hiked in up above at, in the, in the dark. And then as it was getting light, you know, we're seeing all these elk down in the bottom of this valley, but then there's two hunters over there. There's two hunters over there. There's another guy coming up behind them. They're just, we're like, oh, well, <clears throat> this wasn't a big secret. We, everybody else figured this out too. And they didn't really come close to us, but as first light came in, people were just ripping at these things, like right into the herd. There's probably, I don't know, 75 elk, I think 12 hunters, and we probably heard 50 shots in the mm-hmm. first hour. And there's there's a raghorn bull that got hit in the back legs. It was dragging its back legs across the field for half a mile. And this guy's just like ripping shots at it at 800 yards and miss, 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 miss. It was it was awful, man. It was the it was the worst thing I've ever seen in the, f- in the field. And we just like we got out of there mostly because like people were shooting our direction. Mm-hmm. We were trying to get out. And I, I mean, if I, I don't like hunting around other hunters in general, but like it was, it was appalling. Uh, you got to, one, one of the things you got to think about when that happens is for each individual, just being present, you can't like condemn someone for being present because like you said, they like noticed a, a, a good play for opening morning. And so what are they supposed to do? Like back out because other people notice the same thing. But then I, I guess the, 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 the part that you're, the, the, the actual part would be like if you're shooting into a ball and when they get scared, they start to ball up. Yeah. When you're shooting into a ball of something, I mean, that's, then that becomes the questionable thing. But just the fact that like a bunch of people showed up and you were there too, like you can't like damn someone for that. Yeah. And this area where I was in is, is, is like in the Montana hunting culture is known for this near Anaconda. People call them Anacommandos. No, that's that, good. That guy, that guys will like group hunt these these elk herds on their on their winter range. So I, I think a lot of this stuff happens every year. Maybe not on this scale, but I mean, Cal just sent me a story out of Washington where they like finally caught these guys who would chase elk with uh, chase elk with trucks in, that, in a very coordinated fashion. That's and, the story I was going to tell. Them. My buddy, my late friend Eric Kern, was hunting the bridges one time, and he was looking down. And watched on an opening day, watched guys come out with trucks and corral a herd of elk and kill a bunch of them. And he wouldn't call. He wouldn't report it. Yeah, apparently uh, apparently locals knew knew about this, knew about these guys for years and years. Um, but there were some kind of prominent ranchers in the group, and it was on private ground. But apparently it was some, some out-of-towners who reported it, who didn't have, like, the, the local repercussions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I got in touch with the warden about that. I'm thinking about running down that story, writing it for the site. Pretty interesting. Spencer, you ought to um, – do you mind calling and getting a hold of that, that landowner and asking if he was – asking if he was like, great, because a lot of guys don't want elk eating their crops. Sure. I mean, she like, yeah, man, good. That's not a big area. It's probably easy to track down. Like, I'd, I, I would happened. love to hear um, his perspective on it. Yeah. He might be like, yeah, I got no problem with it. Or he might be like, dude, I'm not doing this anymore. My brother's involved in a, uh, he's involved in an effort and runs this effort to uh, thank, to, to, to like appreciation days for people, ranchers who enroll in block management. That's so cool. he's found that a thing people need that's expensive and, and like much appreciated are calf shelters. So he puts his efforts into raising money to buy calf, 
or whatever else people need. But in certain areas, it's like an expensive thing that people really want or much appreciated. He tries to buy cat. He raises money to buy calf shelters to give to ranchers who enroll in black management. And then they throw a party for people to come out and they try to entertain them, feed them, give them door prizes and gifts in order to help encourage that guy might need a little morale boost. Well, yeah. And, and that's, that's, I might a, need a couple of calf shelters. That's on. a great thing to do, man. And, and, and the block, the number of acres enrolled in block management has been declining in recent years. And I know that hunter behavior is one of the leading reasons that people will pull land out of that program. So anything hunters can do to, to thank folks who let them on their property is, is huge. And I always, I always try to try to send a thanks, give some meat or whatever you can do yeah. because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a huge benefit to the, to the public. Steve, I thought in the past you've uh, predicted how you will someday die. Was it heart disease that you said that you, your prediction was? Well, yeah. Cause the number one killer of people my age was opioid overdose. And I don't, I won't be that. Happened. So I'm going to segue now. I'm segueing now into the heart disease there thing. There you go. Like, cause people, you know, like making sausage last night, we were answering like common <laughs> sausage questions. It was like, what about nitrates and nitrates? I'm like, dude, put a little pink salt into some corned elk. I just like, that's not what, like when I die, they're not the doctor, the, the medical examiner's not going to be like, was he putting pink salt in his corned elk? It's just not going to be what happens. There's a bonus bit of reporting in this great Falls Tribune article. This is related to the elk shit? Yeah, yeah, that they snuck into the last paragraph. Guy had a heart attack out there? I have many questions about. It says, Meager County Undersheriff Jeremy West. Mar. Mar? It's pronounced Mar. You say that Mar? Yeah. Boy, I butchered that then. Dude, I didn't even know. A little Montana history, Thomas Mar. Okay. I uh, lived really? next to that yeah, street, and I was calling it meager for oh, he, a long time. Man, <laughs> you you need to look into 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 Thomas Marr. He he uh he was one of the oh man like first politicians in Montana, but his death was really like mysterious. He got like huh? thrown off a paddle boat in, in, the, in the Missouri. Uh, like uh, no, like uh, uh, Pat, what, what do you call him? He wasn't Pat. doing stand-up paddleboarding what, what, back what, what, then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, like the paddle uh, paddle barges that they take. Oh yeah, up yeah in no, Missouri. that's a good way to die. Is, it, what, is that the oh, right? Yeah. Am I calling it the right thing? Paddleboat. Yeah, yeah. Stand-up pa- paddleboat. Not yeah. sit-down sit paddle paddleboat. Back on, <laughs> on Maverick. Yeah, yeah, but but he, he's a fascinating character. There's a bar in Missoula called the Thomas Mar Bar. Hmm. Yeah. So that's spelled how meager. Yeah. M E A G H E R. Dude, I had no idea I about this fella. I was calling it meager for like two years. And then you fixed your system. <laughs> Who corrected you? Juan, you lived in that county? No, 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 oh. no. My, I'm on, I'm on Yellowstone Street in town, and one block over. You weren't mispronouncing that, is were you? Meager Street or oh, Mar, or Mar Street. I'm with you now. So whenever I would drive by, there was probably a time where I was like, you know, with a with a friend in the car who knew better, saying. Oh yeah, you just that. Oh, there's Meager Street, and you go down. They're like, "What do you mean Meager?" And I'm like, it, look, "Look at the sign, M E A G H E R." And they're like, "Corinne, sweetheart, that's just not right." Gotcha. <laughs> Here, let me let yeah. me let me hit you real quick with his uh, his history because it's way crazier than I was suggesting. Um, he was an Irish nationalist, leader of Young Irelanders um, in a rebellion in 1848, convicted of sedition, and sent hmm. to Tasmania. And then he escaped Tasmania and got to the United States. You know, this guy liked to pull a cord. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, then joined in the American Civil War, rose to the rank of Brigadier General. What? You know what that means, Brigadier General? 
No. That's what Custer was. It means that all the generals are getting killed off and you and you got to make like temporary general appointments. Uh, and- I think. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't tracking. Yeah, I'm, read, I'm reading about <laughs> no, this. No, so on. he was, was... Uh, appointed to as the Secretary of State of Montana, the Montana Territory, and eventually became the territorial governor. But he, uh, yeah, was uh, he drowned in 1867 after Jeez, falling from a man. steamboat in, in Fort Benton. The cause of his death is disputed by historians with various hypotheses, including weakness from dysentery, intoxication, suicide, or murder. Hmm. Timothy Egan wrote an art, wrote a wrote a book about him. Really? Yep. Before he started to hit it big. Yep. Damn. Told the, you the I, I predicted that he liked to pull a cork. Remember yeah. that? <laughs> the Just immortal Irishman. bio seemed like great. a drinking man's bio, man. <laughs> um. All right. That's great. So oh. the, the the Mar County Undersheriff. Oh, so you're talking about the Nailed article that, that you got served below this article? No, 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 no. Or they work this into the article. This article. They just work it in in the end. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's like not really relevant, but it's like interesting. And this is what I have more questions about than the the flock shooting of elk. Mark County Undersheriff Jeremy West said one of the hunters in the group later died from a heart complication that was unrelated to the incident. The person's name was not immediately released. That was like a so that had to add like chaos on chaos out there. So where did they threw it in though? It wasn't related. Sure, but I imagine like somebody who was maybe also in that area, but like didn't wasn't aware of what was going on. Maybe like saw an ambulance or an airlifted or like a a helicopter. Oh, arriving. they're clarifying and for people. Maybe I assume so because yes. that had to like add questions to this whole event. Yep. And then they're like, "Oh, someone got shot." Yeah, you gotta make some calls, man. You gotta do some <laughs> investigative journalism. Well, now now I'm hung up on Thomas Marr. That, Just work that into your thing. Sure, that that trumps the rest of this. I think. All right, we got. Let's move on quick. So I want, we got to get to get get to our guests. We got two things we got to cover. So, just recently we had an episode. What was that episode called? Oh, good, good people for a good country. Yep. We talked about how Utahns. Is that what you would say? A Utah? Utah? I, think, I don't know. See yeah. why not. Utahns. Is it Utes? No, Utes. Utes it's a well, tribe. Utes is a tribe. Oh, that's you're the, right. That's one of the that's football the teams. teams. That's yeah. the college, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's cool. I think well, that's what Utah's named after, though, is that tribe. But I yeah. could be completely wrong. I believe it is. Utahns, um, at, at the election, have a, a ballot measure. And it's whether or not to encode, to codify the right to hunt and fish in Utah. And we were talking about when we were covering this piece of news with a guest from Utah who's, who, who introduced this bill for the state. We were talking about where does this, where do these things find their teeth? Like, let's say a state has a state right to hunt and fish. They have a constitutional right to hunt and fish. Like, what does that mean? Like, where does the rubber meet the road on that? Just so happens that um, we now have the first lawsuit in this state. This is, you know, this is local news for us, but national news for everybody else, I think it's fair to say. Because for the first time, someone's doing a suit, suing the state, the governor, fish and game, various people, using the right to hunt and fish as their argument. What they're doing is th- there's a conservation group 
What's the name of that group? I never even heard of them. I kind of like them, though. Outdoor Heritage Coalition. The Outdoor Heritage Coalition is suing the state, governor, fish and game office, and others, under the right to hunt and fish thing. They're suing the state for putting a, for putting what they regard as being too conservative of a quota around the wolf harvest. It's infringing on their right to hunt and fish because wolves are decimating elk numbers in these areas. So they're saying by you putting an unnecessary cap on the killing of overpopulated wolves, you are infringing on our right to hunt and fish because you're allowing all of our game to get decimated. Which is Mm. sly. You're not buying it. Are they even reaching quotas currently for wolves? I mean, I, I felt like that was like I felt like the bottleneck for wolf reduction was, was wolf hunter hunters. effort because they were hard as hell to kill. Yeah, that was easy for a couple minutes and then it got hard. Yeah, they got smart and they have huge territories and they're just sly bastards. You rarely see them. Just telling you. We'll have to do a follow up report. That's interesting. But I bring it up only because um we were talking about when does it when does the when does like if you have the right to hunt and fish, when does that actually even become a like, it's like, okay, that's all good and fine, but where is it exercised? And so this is an example of someone trying to exercise it. Uh, Sam just pulled up a little map showing um, a map shows which states have a constitutional right to hunt and fish. If you're into conspiracy theories, I think you should explore the fact. <laughs> I would explore the fact that the states, when you look at a U.S. map, where the states that have, uh, do you like how they put it in red? Yeah. <laughs> what color do they use for when you don't? Uh, gray. No, what's it, California? Uh, it, that's for um, legislation on constitutional right to hunt and fish is pending. Oh. Huh. I like it that they put this red. Is how, this red is, is old, you have though. the right to hunt and fish. California is the only blue one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's also Rhode Island. But that's it's pe- to see. So it's, it's, California is good because it's pending, but they'll never. Uh, anyhow. This is three years old, so that was probably defeated. Oh, okay. Yeah. If, if you're into conspiracy theories, though, you might want to look at this map because the states that have a right to hunt and fish form a circle. Let me see, Sam. With a hole in the middle. Huh. I think there's something to be delved into there. There's, that's not accidental. What are the two gray ones right there in the middle? Of the yeah, circle? that's what he's what talking state? about. What that's that's South Dakota, Iowa, Missouri, and Illinois. So, bunch of no Iowa, good lefty anti hunting. Missouri and gray Illinois so don't have though. the right to hunt. Those are big. Well, big the constitutional hunts. right. Okay. You know, th- th- there's there's the right to hunt and fish in all of these states, but some some states have have chosen to say that it's like you know it's a God given right that you can right. that you can hunt and fish, which. Yeah, I, I'm. I've always been interested to know like where the rubber meets the road there, like like what, how you use it. Yeah. So I mean, if if that were to pass in California, like the only thing that comes to mind is how California, you know, banned fur trapping last yeah, but year. Even as we in covered. Utah, would that, dude, would that well here here this be out. unconstitutional? Then? Even in a hard hit and hunting and fishing state like Utah, um, he they didn't put trapping on there because they didn't want to muddy the waters and lose popularity. But he said, it's mm. actually, it's, there's an implication, it's like implied to cover trapping and should be used. But if you put trapping on there, it'll lose support. That's interesting. That's where you got to use it to. 
because yeah. because this says that Montana has a constitutional right to hunt and fish, which I did not know, but I mean it makes sense. But <clears throat> yeah, there's that legislation introduced like every time to ban trapping on public land. Mm-hmm. So I wonder where that where that falls because they're too chicken to put trapping on there. Dude, I'm gonna once I it get shouldn't. done fighting hunters' orange laws and get the whole everything reduced to just the hunter's orange hat is all you need. I'm going to take up uh right to trap. I'm with you. Uh, what else do we want to talk about that? Not much to say about that. Um, if you're in Colorado and you were one of the, what I'm predicting to be, you were one of the minority of people who voted against making the state draw up a wolf reintroduction plan. I applaud you because they're arriving on their own. They're there now anyway. That's the path to take. That's the path to take. So thank you, even though you, I'm sure you lost. Uh, one last thing, guys. Are you okay? I'm good. One last thing. Okay, hit it. Spencer. Oh, wait. We need the intro. What thing? The, the last thing? I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> I lost it. Oh, speaking of suing people, how's that for a segue? I, get, I sent you the article to do a little report on it. Oh, I, I don't have anything to report. You, you're going to be able to produce a better report than I. Okay. One of the things, um, right now, I'm extremely uh, disheartened with the Trump administration over their decision to lift roadless rules in Tongass and open up like half of Tongass National Forest to logging and road building. That's a pisser. Yep. But what I have been applauding them for is opening up a bunch of U.S. wildlife refuges where appropriate, opening up hunting and fishing on a bunch of U.S. wildlife refuges and fish hatcheries and stuff. So creating more acreage for Americans to hunt and fish. The uh, Center for Biological Diversity is suing them so that they can't trying to stop that from happening. Under the Endangered Species Act, which I, I'm interested to see that complaint I because – they didn't open it up to hunting endangered species. I know that's the thing. I think these people haven't read the. I think that the the Center for Biological Diversity hasn't read up on what it is. I think like, oh, they're going to start hunting endangered species. They can't do that. It's like, no, they're not going to start hunting endangered species. They're allowed to hunt the normal shit that everybody gets to hunt per state rules on refuges where it makes sense, which you can already do in a bunch of them anyway. Yeah. It opens up an additional 3,600 square miles. You can hunt shitloads of refuge land already. It's opening up some additional ones, and they sue them as though this is one of those groups that, like, there are a lot of things. One of the things they are is an anti-hunting organization. Every, you will never, I, I challenge a listener to send me a thing where the Center for Biological Diversity hasn't taken a knee-jerk reaction against hunting. No, that's what they do. But they're like, when I tell friends, oh, yeah, it's like an anti-hunting group. Oh, no, they're not. I'm like, okay. They are. they are. It's not their, like, mission, but they emerge as a nitpicky, like, a very nitpicky, like, And highly litigious. Issue. Yeah, any issues, like, let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. They're going to be, uh, their stance will be antagonistic to the interests of hunters and fishermen. Maybe I'm wrong. Is there any... National fish hatchery that you can hunt on? Well, there's I, I, not that I've ever done, but I know there's some fish hatcheries that have some sizable holdings. And it, it wouldn't be in there if it wasn't. I haven't looked at I haven't looked at the fish hatchery component, but yeah, there's probably some fish hatchery that's got a 
a couple thousand acres. On yeah, them. man, there's some giant ones in Washington that I wouldn't be wouldn't be at all surprised to know that hunting was allowed and totally would fit in with the management. Now, fishing a fish hatchery, that could be good. <laughs> well, in, in Washington, in Washington, that's the whole point. Jeez, I got another one. You're always people are always piled up right around the the hatchery hole. We used to call it the. There's one particular one we called the the crack pipe because there was just this one cast that you wanted to make because all these steelhead would pull in right below the outflow of the hatchery because they get that they get that scent you know that they they come back to and you could you had if you could make this one tricky cast up into into the concrete outflow of the hatchery, you would catch a steelhead <laughs> nearly every time. Yeah, and probably be really excited about it. Yeah, yeah. So a bit more on this, then we're going to wrap this up. So the, the in this country we have, in the, in the U.S. of A., we have 550 wildlife refuges. Um, this, this move, this additional 3,600 square miles, We'll bump it up to where you can now hunt on 430 refuges, 430 of the 550. You can fish on 360 of the 550. Has implications for people in 37 states. I think it's a common misconception in, 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 in the public sphere that wildlife refuges exclude hunting i mean and and honestly the the naming isn't isn't that great you know it seems like a ref a refuge where animals can go flee from us horrible hunters or no, something it's where they go I, to been, flee from development yeah absolutely and and i i've i've corrected people on this tons of times that like this is this is habitat refuge this is this is undeveloped land this is but it's 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 meant for the it's meant for people's enjoyment and there are I mean how like half of Alaska's national wildlife refuges I mean not half but like giant giant portions and all of it's wide open to hunting so I think I think there's a I think there's a broad misunderstanding that we could correct uh you know in the in the public eye that that hunting is a is an important management tool on our national wildlife refuge system yeah you know where I bet I'll be allied with the center for biological diversity i bet you i could guarantee they're annoyed about the tongas ruling i'm certain they are so maybe me maybe we can find a little friendship and hug over that after three years of work our follow-up to the meat eater fish and game cookbook is here it's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about ice age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold.
here's a question for you, Cody Cannon, Whiskey Myers. This is going to – don't tell Corinne I asked you this. Okay. I'm not asking you what any songs mean. <laughs> but why is it offensive that people ask you what a song means? No, I didn't say it was offensive. We were talking about – You said you hate it. Yeah. But um, tell me what I, 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 I don't want to know it. what they mean. But why does that um, bother you? Because I would feel no, no. Go ahead. Yeah, no. We were just talking about how people take uh, how you can write a song, and people. I'm uh, I wrote it, and I think it means one thing. You got a different idea of what it meant because it meant something different to you. You, yeah. You, it's all different. And I think there's some magic in that. I think that's neat. Oh, so I don't. I don't yeah. like. Sometimes it's like an, I see they what always you're saying. Ask that question, and it's like, nah. Yeah, I want to. I want it to have your interpretation. I, I'm with you now. They're like, uh, when I hear this, it gives me this feeling of I sent my brother a song, uh, and that's 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 cooler. It's like seminar. abstract art. Yeah, it's like it's it, it's in the eyes of yeah. the beholder, and it could be so far out in left field, and you're like, yeah, that's uh, not see, that's all. a nice. But it, it means that to them, and it, like, what did I say? I said it was like when you read a book and you have a character in your mind, and you see the movie, and they don't look anything mm-hmm. like that. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's like the same thing. It's like, it's like, ah. You ever watch the movie The Road? Yeah. You know, in the end, Cormac McCarthy's The Road. In the end, it's, you know, little boy's dad dies and he wanders out to a road and gets picked up by this guy. And Cormac McCarthy describes him in the book as being like, he looks like he survived many skirmishes. And, anyways, the dude in the end of the movie, I'm like, that's not who that is. (laughs) Yes. I was like, I had, that's way off. Yeah. The, it, the image I built with very little information. <laughs> See, I read that book after reading the movie or, or after watching the movie. Yeah. So, so yeah, so, which, I, which I hate doing because then the movie informs it because the, and yeah. then you don't have, there's less creativity going in on yeah. the reader's perspective. That's a really, jo- I, I like that answer. I was expecting yeah. to be annoyed by your answer, but that's a great answer. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't hate it, but it was just like, I like it to be open into interpretation, especially on some songs. I don't have any specific ones in mind, but, you know, people get different different ideas and I think that's cool. Well, I was telling him this morning that that his song Frogman must be about fishing frog baits for bass. <laughs> that's what it that's what it means to me and ain't when nobody going to yeah. tell me different. Yeah. <laughs> and what did you hear clear. in response? He said, "Uh-huh." <laughs> <laughs> I sent my brother uh you ever hear uh Sturgill Simpson cover that song when you need a friend. Yeah, the promise. Yeah, the promise. Oh yeah, yeah. I sent it to my brother and he wrote me back saying how it reminded him of his first dog. It felt like it was about or reminded him of his first dog dying. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, you can't say, well, that's not what it's about, by God. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's cool to say. I, I know people want to hear that sometimes, but sometimes it's like, ah, just let it just let it be, you know? Especially, like, before the album comes out, we'll do a lot of questions and stuff, and they'll be like, I want you to explain each song and stuff like that it's like nah but that feels so reductive it right it's like yeah tell me tell me literally what the thing is so that this is how i'm supposed to think and feel about it instead of having your own uh, relationship to hearing your music yeah thousand percent that's that's what i'm that's what i meant um do you are you able to share with fans and listeners like if they say here's what i think about when i hear it um, do you then have, do you then refrain from saying, that's great. Um, I love it. You're right. Here's what I was thinking. Or do you not even do that? Cause uh, you'd, you'd be pulling the Trump card. 
No, yeah, it's just like I, Trump, like, I don't remember. I probably like had different like, responses to it, but it's it's cool. Whatever they think, or or more than that, they would probably ask ask you like, "Hey, what does this mean?" And that, that's cool, you know. But uh, you know, not necessarily in like an interview telling everybody what it's supposed to mean. Yeah. They're like, "Did that mean that?" And it's like, "No, I was actually about this." That's like a little bit different. So that's how I would do that. I see your um, colleague here has a stones tattoo. Oh yeah, did you get that? That was right after the show. I got it literally. I got it in Seattle that day. Really? Yeah. The, after we we played Immigrant here in Montana. I was at that show. Went to went to Soldier Field, played that, and then we circled back around to Seattle at the I guess the Neptune, and then I got it there. Yeah. Chris, introduce yourself. Um, Chris Pogue, uh, content creator for Whiskey Myers. That that was a big deal, huh? When you was it cool to when you guys tell people a bit about that you uh, wound up having sort of a, a um a sort of endorsement of sorts from the Stones. Yeah, just uh, we got to open up a a show for them at Soldier Field in Chicago, uh, and it's just one of those things that's like they say once in a lifetime. That's like a never in a lifetime <laughs> thing. Yeah. Uh, and you know they they pick and a, and approve. I think Mick does all the all the bands that get to open for them. So just to be able to do that was, was that really cool. special. Uh, and that's a, they were a huge influence uh, to me personally in the band also. You know, it's one of my favorite bands, if not my favorite band. Yeah, how time. could the best stuff about America be written by some British dudes? Yeah. Hey, but they were right. Yeah, but their like they, they understood was, America way better than Americans. Well, they were trying to sing the blues, man. Yeah, yeah. And they love blues and country music and it, come from america come from the south yeah it's really interesting mm-hmm. you they think were, that they were like you think they had lived like six lifetimes in america yeah yeah they're great um it w- put it this way like jamie our bass player said we're talking about how, how cool you know it would be he was like we could go and play soldier field and sell it out and it still wouldn't be as cool as playing Myers with us. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah the, as open for the rolling stones at soldier field so it was it was great which one of your bandmates is laid up right now from crashing a UT from crashing a side by side? What's that all about? That's John, man. John what were you, you got, and you guys were hot dogging, not hot dogging. I, I wasn't there. You weren't even present. No, yeah, he, he definitely was. John's always kind of been reckless with an ATV. Get a little closer so. to your mic. I said uh, John's always <laughs> been reckless with an ATV, so he, he was definitely hot dogging. It was definitely. Uh, and what? Who's this now? John? Was he playing? His name's John Jeffries. He's our guitar player. Oh. So. So he tell was, what happened. He it was, was in the pursuit of game. He was running down a herd elk. <laughs> he was literally, he went to go cut one donut from a dead stop and he rolled it and, uh, and he didn't have his seatbelt on. So he's kind of like, watch this. Pogue was actually with him and he was buckled in. Thank goodness. So he, he, they, Pogue said they rolled three times. John said they rolled once. We don't really know. So nobody saw it except for them. But uh, well, there's yeah. a dispute about whether it was three rolls or one roll. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. He's at a standstill. And he's like, let's cut a cookie for no reason. He was on one of these like jacked up, like it was a, it's a Polaris razor. It's like this big jacked up kind of top heavy top yeah, vehicle. They anyway. are very and easy so, to flip. And it's very powerful. So he just gunned it. And when he did, it just completely flipped over. And I don't think he, he, he definitely didn't think it would do that. Cracked his skull. It did. It was pretty serious, yeah. actually. It, he, it was, is fine. he is fine. He's fine. Though, by he's, the way, he'll be, he's going to make a full recovery. He's fine. <laughs> yes, he's good. He's very good. Uh, how, what's your, What's your guys' connection? Um, like, like, how did you get into hunting and fishing? 
Were you into hunting fishing before music? Yeah, way before. So talk through that. Uh, like the, you're like, I kind of like to hunt and fish, but I kind of like music. Yeah, I would. Music was so foreign to me. I always it was. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. I loved you know music. You listen to music. Your parents listen to music as a kid, but nobody. What'd your parents listen to? Um, you know, Skinnerd, Hank Williams Jr. Alan Jackson stuff like the typical stuff like that. You oh, man, you're throwing that. Alan Jackson in with Skinner and Hank Williams Jr. <laughs> well, yeah, I would say yeah. That would Liberace. probably be that would, that would probably have been the like Beach the, Boys. They would have you know like some you know old rock, old country, and then they would have been listening to like the current stuff. Well, I'm with you. Okay, yeah, no, yeah. no, that was a good job. That was a good job. Uh, I don't know why I questioned that, but yeah, that all makes sense. You're so, conveying like a variety, yeah, uh, rather yeah. than a style of yeah, uh, um, for sure, because we have a a lot of variety, I think. How old are you? Style. I'm 35. Okay. Um, so, yeah, but playing music was kind of was foreign to me because nobody in my immediate, immediate family really played music or instruments or anything like that uh, or were ever in a band. But we always fished and hunt. So if you would ask, like, the my younger self, I would have thought it would have been, what would you do when you grow up? I would probably be like, oh, I'm going to fish and hunt, not play music. <laughs> and then that just kind of Did, you, did you grow up kind of poor or what? Yeah, we weren't super poor, but I would say, you know, middle class or lower middle class. Like, my mom cut hair. My dad worked at, you know, it was like a prison guard. So that's hmm. not super lucrative jobs. But did we your, weren't going hungry dad, or anything like how did that. You, how did your dad handle being a prison guard? Was he the, did he get that kind of like anger or was he? No, well. He, he was cool? Where we're from. Not that he was, not that that's not cool, but I'm saying like that that's a taxing job. I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, it people. can be because, yeah, they have to deal with a lot of crazy stuff. But where we're from, that's like, I think like everybody in my Tons. family worked at the prison because there's like seven prisons outside of our area. And so when you're from our area, you either leave or you work for Walmart or the, the prison. prison system. And Explain that's your about area. It. So I we're from uh, Palestine, Texas, around, around there. I'm actually from Natchez, which is about 10 miles uh, 15 miles outside of Palestine, which is just in East Texas. You two grew up together, right, Chris? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we grew up playing uh, playing baseball when we were young. Since we were probably four or five. Yeah. So that's kind of how we that's kind of how we met. And then we, bass fishing was always real big for us whenever yep. we were growing up. And like our uh, our dads would take their vacations around like when we were on spring break, and mm -hmm. we would go to Lake Fork every year. Just to fish would, bass. We would camp. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. was awesome. I want to hear uh, I want to hear you tell the audience about our, about your thoughts on eating bass. I said it's a sin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, people get all, you know, touchy about that. And, and I, I don't, you know, if, if that's what you want to do, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Uh, but I always throw them back, you know. But have, you, if, have you ever eaten a largemouth? I don't know. I'm sure I have when I was younger, but not recently uh, or anything. So you guys knew each other at four or five and, that was, and you were yeah. already fishing. Fishing yeah. was in your families. Yeah. Did you guys have did you guys have boats and stuff back then or were you like bank fishermen? Yeah, my dad had an old champion that we like a, like a bat like rigged oh, out yeah, for bass. Yeah, it was yeah. I never had a boat until I was older. So it was just pond hopping unless I got to go with like with y'all or, or like some of my dad's friends or something. But yeah, fishing and hunting, I mean that's how we grew up. That was just in our DNA. It's just it's like breathing. Did you guys eat? Uh, I know you didn't eat those bass, but you guys <laughs> grow up eating eating game and stuff yeah. around the family table. Deer, ducks, um, fish. You know, yeah, crappie, crappie, catfish, stuff like that. Dove. And then, but uh, your your parents split up when you were young. Yes. Yeah. How'd that play out? Um, 
Well, see, I don't, I don't I'm mean not, like you don't need to tell yeah, me what happened no, between them, but I, I mean how did it impact you? How did so it impact long. your interests and whatnot? Um, far as fishing and stuff, that I, I mean, it was still the same for me. But uh, my mom remarried uh, my stepdad now, and he was a super big hunter, and so oh, we, really? we actually hit it off, and we've been like best friends ever since. And we would go. So that wasn't the, the problem. Together. The hunting so, wasn't the problem. No, yeah, that didn't affect that at all. Yeah, I think a lot about. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I think a lot about if I was to pass away all of a sudden, um, heart disease, like let's say I died right now. Opioid addiction. Let's say I OD'd right now on opioids. I'm like, would I rather my wife wound up with a dude like my brother or something, right? They're married, but let's say like some dude, like basically exactly like me or would I rather she wound up with some dude way different? Yeah, not near as cool. Just way different. <laughs> like which is uh which is more palatable for me? Ooh, I don't know. I don't think about that. If it was a dude way different, I'd be like, uh boy. Uh we must have been way mismatched. <laughs> or something. I, I see what you're But saying. if it was a dude just like me, I'd be like, oh sweet. So I like the basic parameters were okay. So yeah. yeah, so she wound up like with another hunter. Yeah. Did you have to? Did you feel like if you if you're growing up and you have a stepdad and a dad, and they both like to go hunting? Yeah. Was there, did that create like jealousy and stuff with your dad? No, I was real fortunate. Uh, there was never any animosity. Everybody got along, and they still get along in my family. So I know they wasn't a bad thing really? where. You know, this side hates that side or anything like that. That's one thing thing I would not be able to stomach, dude. Yeah. Some other guy taking my kid out. Yeah. No, everything was, yeah, they always got along and stuff, Hmm. which is good, you know. You had, Chris, you had the same situation, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, our parents actually got a divorce around the same time. Yeah, that's what Chris was talking about. Our uh, our dads were roommates there for a while, so Cody yeah. and I kind of lived together when we were mm-hmm. in sixth grade. That's for you're, you're sixth brothers, grade, like, actually, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, you guys are really stuck together. Yeah, all of us really known each other in the band for the most part forever. We're just all from the same area. We grew up together. You know, what's it like uh, now that you're you know you you've had some. Hat and I had having success and kind of like doing this thing that isn't on the radar of people you grew up around. Is it uh, challenging? Is it like that you lost your way and you're not one of us anymore? Like, does that kind of stuff go on? Uh, I don't know. I don't, not to our face, at least. Um, we haven't changed very much. We're kind of the same. I mean, obviously, we're older and been around the world, so you change a little, little bit, but uh, I keep my blinders on. Uh, it sounds fake, but it's real. I mean, we all do. Like, I, I don't care about any of it. I just go out and do my do my thing. Um, You kind of have a, a little bit of a reputation for... I want to get back to how you got into music, so don't forget that. But you have a, you have a reputation as uh, kind of playing by your own rules a little bit. Mm. Yeah. And, and being leery of, not antagonistic toward, but maybe leery of, shy about industry stuff. Yeah. Like maintaining control and all that. Yes. Do you feel that that's kind of like, is that like an artistic thing or is that like a thing from growing up how you grew up? I'd say both. Um, yeah, we. I mean, we just wanted to do our own thing. We wanted to play our own music. Some people get into music, I think, and they want to be famous. 
You mm-hmm. know, they don't care. They want to be famous. Like that's Rich the end. That's, that's, that's the, the that's end the goal. goal. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't think anybody in our band had that ever in mind. It was like, it's what you did. We we played music. We're in a band now. That's what we do. And it was important for us to have our own style and have our own control. And I think that probably has to a little bit to do with your upbringing or being a little bit, you know, ignorant redneck. No, hell with that. I'm going to do it my own way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was very important. It's still important to us. So that's why we've never signed any record deals or anything. We've always been independent and we always want to be, I think. I do. I don't. It's like, why the hell do I want a boss? Do you, do you field <laughs> a lot of calls about signing record deals? We have. We've had, we'd have have had opportunities and stuff like that. And we just, it's just not for us, you know, especially with the band like us, we, we're a little different, you know, we don't fit a certain genre, a certain style. And I don't think they would even know what to do with this. What, you know? what genre would you like self-identify with? If you, if you had none, to? I don't even like genres. I think, I think that's just a, like a thing for selling. It just makes yep. it easier for people to put it in a box and sell it, you know, for marketing and stuff. Uh, I'm not big on genres because, like, all the stuff that I like musically had so much, like, for the the Stones, for example, like, they wrote some of the best country songs ever. Oh, yeah. Blues. It was rock and roll. Yeah. It was pop. It yeah, was I like wanted to get a shirt that says, my favorite country band's rock band. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Skinner. So many different influences. Even stuff like Waylon Jennings and stuff, that was rock and roll to those people back then in the country scene. Mm-hmm. So I was always a big fan of people who did different stuff. Isn't it funny with like Waylon that if you read about Waylon, now people are like, oh, I hate country. Yeah. Except for that Waylon Jennings. <laughs> and when Waylon's Jennings time, it was like, that ain't country. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. really like the, the, you know, uh, I should tell you this about genres. It's kind of this interesting story. Uh, when I was in school, I took this class called the literature of natural history. And you read everything from, you know, like Henry David Thoreau, you know, like Walden and shit all the way up into a book about what was called like bioengineering or something. Basically how engineers can look at cobwebs and and make structural, you know, like honeycomb would give you like ideas about how to make structural design. Okay. Anyhow, this guy that taught this class was Hank. uh, I wish I could remember his last name. He died. Him and his wife both drowned in a canoeing accident. Um, shortly after I took that class, they had a cabin out on an island. were paddling out there and flipped and died. But it brings up an interesting thing with the genre question because he was really interested in this idea of natural history writing. And he would find that these books that he loved so much were hard for people to locate and hard to identify. And as an example, he would go into a bookstore and find like, books that should be together were scattered all around. And he actually contacted the Library of Congress where they come up with like the the, the, the the numerical systems to identify books. He contacted the Library of Congress and said, you guys have a problem where you're not seeing what makes these books like the same and you need to find a way for bookstores and other people to like draw these parallels between these this type of literature. And then they, they actually invited him down. He did like a sabbatical and went down to design a, to design a genre of literature. And 
you might instinctively like hate that kind of stuff, but in, in some way it like helps people locate things. Yeah, it definitely, um, it does for sure. But just up from the artistic side, I don't like to, I would guess to answer that question, it would be kind of rock and roll country and, and blues would be the, I think our three main influence type thing. That would be the best. But as far as like putting a lane on it, I, I don't think I could put a, a, you know, a specific genre. I know you didn't you didn't say red dirt country, but I imagine you've yeah. had some dealings like with that industry. With what? Yeah. Right? yeah. Red, red dirt country. Oh, yeah. Well, explain uh, from, that to me. Um, I, I don't. You guys would do a better job than me. Explain yeah. It. So I, I guess that would be kind of a subgenre. Um, red dirt. Very, uh, how did I never like, hear of this? Very popular in Texas. Would, yeah, where Texas you guys are and out of. Oklahoma and the Midwest and stuff like that. And a lot of those guys, it's the same. It's kind of rock and it's kind of country. It's just it kind of. Takes everything a lot similar to like Americana. It's yeah. kind of like that. From the outside, like uh, Red Dirt Country is a lot more wholesome and it's real and it's not like mainstream country, which is like super fake and sellouts and stuff. Yeah, is it's that, more gritty, I feel like. Is, is yeah. that the case? You don't think like, mainstream country is wholesome? <laughs> is, is that the reality, though, that like Red Dirt Country is what it seems and it's like it's not like mainstream country or or do they like have the same kind of bullshit that you'd expect um well anytime you get into any, anything at all there's a little bit of bullshit but no it, i think it's very honest kind of pure still um and a lot of those guys especially when we were younger like the jason bolins and, and the ragweeds and reckless kelly's and stuff like that they, they were they were they were different you know and so i think i don't know if they necessarily i don't know exactly how the name got it you know where it come from i'm sure people even old you know older than them I, i'm not sure about that but uh i know it's you know called that now but yeah it was just kind of the independent mindset you know but but like for somebody who likes red dirt country they can continue to like it because it is like what it seems right yeah. it's not like the, yeah for sure good yeah like I don't, i'm not following what you're getting at that. <laughs> there's some bands i, I don't know if you'd be no I, I get the i get the whole thing with red dirt country kelly bark yeah. crow but i'm saying like, like when you say like not what it, that you can follow i don't get it it's it's not like Luke Bryan, Kenny Chesney, folks like that. You're saying like sometimes in mainstream you're getting a product that's not even controlled by the artist. Yeah, that's yeah. really put together and not even them. It's like very We're manicured. Red Dirt, it is independent and it's whether whatever that band sounds like it is actually realistically them. And I, I think I think 100. percent Yeah, so, like, like yeah. Luke Bryan would talk about shooting bucks, Copenhagen pickup trucks stuff like that right somebody probably wrote that because you think someone him. was like hey here's some keywords sure sure but yeah. like red dirt country is just like like i said i don't know a little more honest what if they talk Sam about copenhagen yeah then then this they actually right choose eating then they actually choose yeah. copenhagen <laughs> oh you think you might not like the cope <laughs> right but i'm kind of curious about uh you know what 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 is going through the minds of artists or non-artists when they feel more comfortable defining themselves within a genre and what it is you feel like you might be bucking up against or not wanting to accept when people like are trying to, right. are you this and this? Do you hit these, this category and this? Like, what is that? What does that feel like for you? And Sometimes you, you can just against? listen to an artist and you say, yeah, that's a rock and roll band. That's what it is. You can say, oh, that's country. That's straight up country. You know, uh. Cody Jinks, great, pure country. That's country, you know, where somebody like us, I mean, one song might be country and the next song's like like mud and we're, in, we're like 
drop C or something, almost thrashing. So that's where it would be hard for me to do that because we do kind of go all over the place. And so I don't think you could say it's country or rock and yeah. roll. It would is you say that's, that's more authentic to like how you feel in a day and a song expresses like a mood and then it expresses and you can that that, that you're just expressing as a band all these kind of different. Yeah, I think we just had a bunch of different science, influences yeah. and we decided to play whatever the hell we wanted yep. to. And so that's kind of why it's like that. When we saw you guys um, at the old saloon in Immigrant last summer, I know me and all my friends were were a little bit taken aback because I think I think you had you know your, some of your ballads have have become a little bit more more prominent and popular yeah. and you know really beautiful, really really captivating. But you guys rocked out way harder than yeah. we were Especially expecting. Live. Yeah, yeah, uh, and so it. it, it we were we were going there expecting more more of like a more of like a full you know country kind of show and it was a full on rock show. Yeah, especially live. It, it yeah, we we like to rock. It's fun, especially for the live things. People gravitate towards the ballads and slow songs. That's just people. People like sad songs. That's just kind of yeah. how it is. There's even I a song it. I like called "Sad Songs." Yeah, I think I've heard that. Lou before. Reed, "Sad Songs." Yeah, yeah. Um. It's true. It's a true statement, man. People dig sad songs. They He's like, oh, you want a sad song, do you? I'll yeah. call this song Sad Songs. <laughs> um, what percentage of, and I'm not going to ask you what any shit means, but what percentage. <laughs> you can ask me, man. <laughs> what percentage of your music would you say is informed by, is informed by hunting, fishing, outdoor pursuits? Like, even, even in terms of the uh, vernacular. I think a lot of vernacular. I don't think I don't have any songs about hunting and fishing per se, but they'll they'll say stuff in them. You know, gasoline has a line yeah. in it. Uh, I think Frogman has a line in yeah. it. Um, Ballad of a Southern Man has that line in it. So there's there's things that you could tell. Yeah, like like know. like like terminology or references yeah. or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, but not necessarily like, hey, I'm going fishing today. Yeah, yeah, one of my favorite lyrics of his. <laughs> Dude, that's a good like hook. That. That's a good hook. I'm taking that shit, man. Well, that one starts with, that in my hook I don't mind work and I love to fish. Talking and to you, I've Daniels been known Bell. as a son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. I, that, the first time I heard that, I'm like, yeah. yeah I, I resonate with that. Yeah. Uh, do you, this is something I always like to ask people who are like somewhat in the, in a, in a, at least somewhat or all the way in the public eye. Um. Do you – a lot of people who are interested in the blood sports um, get to a point where they feel they need to draw some separation because it it's a liability. Yeah. I'll never be like that. Mm-mm. But do you understand why they do it? Yeah, 100%. Have you, have you been in a situation where you're like, God, it would almost be easier if I just like wasn't associated – uh, not like too, too hot to a touch. little bit. It's kind of like, uh, our European fans are not down with hunting and stuff like that, but it's, it just comes from ignorance. Like when I, when I had all those pictures <laughs> of the hogs and stuff like that, you know, they were like, everybody was bitching and stuff. And I was like, well, shit, I guess I shouldn't even have posted that. But, uh, well, you thought that for a minute. Yeah. But I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, but not to just be like, oh, I'm not going to hunt and all that stuff. No, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I would never do that. I, that's just who I am. I, I'm not. I'm not changing. I have no interest in changing to be bigger or famous or have more money or anything like that. I'm completely fine with how I am. Do you? Where do you draw your main? 
you mentioned like hearing from European fans. You mean like in social media comments? Yeah, supposedly they were like of sex. We killed a bunch of pigs, and it, it, it comes from ignorance. They didn't know that they're one an inv- invasive species, so yeah. they shouldn't even have been there. And yeah, we shot know. a bunch of ducks yesterday. They're not yeah. invasive. Yeah, but they probably would freak out about that too. Huh. But uh, that was really it. I don't think we've had a lot of backlash other than that. But I don't have social media or anything like that. So even if they were talking a lot of shit, I wouldn't hear about it unless somebody told me. <laughs> what's your main? Uh, what's the main way you communicate with? What's the main way you like communicate with fans? Or, like, how do you know like what they're thinking? Uh, I think Pogue. Pogue tells, Pogue me tells or you. somebody. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't so know. someone says, heads I, it goes, up. It goes back to keeping my blinders on and doing my thing, you know, try not to be influenced by that. Yeah, but there's got to be some element of like some some metric that you look at. Mm. Nah, I don't. Unless really? they tell me, nah, I'm just doing my thing. Should I, I guess I should be listening to somebody else. I don't know. We just do our thing, man. Well, I mean, what are they going to tell me? Like, oh, you should write this song? You know, like I'm not listening to that. I don't know that. what they'd tell you. Yeah. Something. I mean, yeah. What I feel it? it's not hard that someone would say, you know what, in the position you're in, you know what you ought to do. Yeah. You never get that. Um, nah, not too much. <laughs> no. <laughs> what What is a stereotypical European fan like? Is it like me and Sam Lundgren or? No, no. They're great fans, but they just don't see. Uh, a lot of our American fans would understand more of the the gun side, the hunting side and stuff. Uh where they might like our music, but they don't, they don't see the same at all. So that would be the only difference, I would say. I've had those conversations with yeah. Europeans, man, and I really, I really feel like you know that, that cult, those many of those cultures have just become so divorced from hunting. Yeah, and it's it's the way that hunting's always been managed over there. It's always private land. It's always been kind of the realm of the aristocracy, mm-hmm. and it, it's 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 usually not that people are opposed to killing animals or eating meat, but that it's like they they misunderstand our motivations. It's like dukes and it. lords and whatnot exactly. running around in little suits and shit. Exactly, yeah. and those people are probably never even touching the dead animal. It, it, like maybe if it like arrives on their plate, but they've got like game managers and stuff for that. And I know I've had a number of conversations with people in bars and, you know, in, in France and Germany, England, Italy, where, where I talk about like, you know, how, how hunting is, you know, an integral part of the, our conservation of these species, how we do it for, how we do it for meat, how it's deeply, you know, steeped in tradition, and it's it's just it's our it's our recreation it's our it's our passion and people come around immediately but at first they're like hunting oh but you yeah. unwashed heathen it's just it's very foreign to them it is yeah the, people just don't get yeah. it. it's not as cognitive as yeah. it is in America it's just not a, it's not as part of, big a part of the culture it's it's such a small minority there far be it for me to be a apologist for the continent of Europe but <laughs> it's been pointed out to me by uh, listeners in Europe that when we talk about uh, Europe, we're talking about a large, extremely diverse area. Yeah, so let's not as though we're lies. talking about England. Yeah. Like we say Europe, but what we're kind of mean is like the, what what I've heard. The feedback I've heard from people is they're like, "You've been to Scotland and England, and you saw kind of what goes on there in the hunting world, and then you extend that to the entire continent, right?" Yeah, which I've been told is. That. 
exceedingly ignorant. Sure, sure. But, but it, I still like to do it because it's fun. It's not, yeah, it's not, but, a, it's not a monolith. <laughs> it's, it's not a monolith. No, but because there are dudes, let's, let's yeah. there, are dudes the there are dudes right now, there are dudes right now hunting moose on public land in Europe. Oh, yeah. Over the counter. And now, and now stomping the freaking marshes for that, the one bird I want to get. Oh, oh, the only yeah. bird I want, the only bird I want to get more than an oscillated turkey. No, the only bird, I, the second bird I want. To, there's no bird I want more than an oscillated turkey. Second to that is one of them big damn Capricelli things. Yeah, they're like the, it's there a grouse dudes, the size of a turkey. Yeah, there are dudes out there right now skulking around on skis and snowshoes and shit, bushwhacking around trying to find one of those. It's not like you know. Then you know, in some parts of Europe, the ones I'm more familiar with, like. You hire the local poor kids to go out and beat the brush and touch the because you don't want to have to pick up any birds. So you hire the local poor kids to go pick them up for you. Then you all go back and have a spot of tea, and uh, spot of tea, and they clean them all. But it's like it's a big ass place. Yeah, but there there are some, there are some unifying there are some unifying aspects. Tell I mean, me what maybe, they are. Tell me what they are. Well, that that there isn't really a that there isn't really a, a system of public land. By and large, okay. in Europe, uh, yeah, in, in Scandinavia, and there, 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 is, there's some kind of de facto public land, but that's it, fair. It, it ends, it ends up being, it ends up being more, and, and it's also, and firearms are far more restricted there. So it, it it's, it's, yeah, but that's it, hunting becomes less, a, less well, of a, kind of a middle class, lower class activity as it can be in the United States. I mean, it spans, you know, kind of, kind of the entire, you, you, you know, American society. But in in Europe, it's it's definitely a lot more targeted towards rich people, and fishing's the same way too. I mean, there isn't there isn't an overwhelming amount of um, of public access to to water in Europe. I, I've fished quite a bit in Europe, and you it's always incredibly difficult to uh, you got to go to this one post office in this one town and pay thirty dollars for the stamp to be on this section oh. of river that day, and you've got or you ha- or or I mean in where wherever it's better, it's you know there's one person who gets to be on that stretch of river that day, and it costs you know fifty euro. And and there will be some public lakes. Usually, salt water is less regulated. But um, I think I think some of our early leaders in the conservation movement that allowed us to to have these large swaths of land that are open to everybody really created something different and it, the culture just diverged wildly from from over there and and I've talked to I've talked to European hunters quite a bit about this who people who are interested people who are allowed to go shoot pheasants and and rabbits but never dreamed of getting to shoot a deer because that's for that's for the the rich yeah. guys to do that was a powerful condemnation of Europe Crean, you know it'd be a great episode. Uh, hey, 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 I love Europe. I got a lot of European <laughs> no, friends. No, a great but episode. Like, hunts better here. Is we get it hands down. Get some kind of genuine European. A genuine European out of okay. the, about seven hundred fifty million you Europeans. Can you find <laughs> about it? Genuine European nations. who's got like a pan-European. He's from a European country, and he identifies continentally. <laughs> Okay. Good luck. God, we just love to generalize. <laughs> no, nope. yeah. here's what I want to find. Nationalism, but you haven't heard my you haven't heard my idea okay. yet. Right. This is the anti generalization. <laughs> okay, got it. Idea. If you if you just give me a second. Okay. So here's what you do as a producer. You find a European from Europe who has <laughs> who has a pan European interest set. They come on and deliver a crash course. In Europe, 
Meaning like <laughs> this swath of countries, generally this, and here's kind of what, here's what their stereotype is. Like I could go and do it for America. I'd be like, oh yeah, down in the South, you got all these rednecks. <laughs> all they do is fish catfish. <laughs> <laughs> then over here you got these, you know, they just fish walleye all the time. Kind of dumb. Out here, it's like, you know, I could, I could do, I could walk through the U.S., you know. But through through a particular yeah, be like Utah, lens. it's just like you know they just trophy hunt giant bulls. Arizona, they hunt in huge groups of people because there's no tags, and when someone draws a tag, fifty of them have to go. Um, <laughs> and I'll just do a country walkthrough, so, right. or a state by state walkthrough. Similarly, we could do a country by country walkthrough of what actually goes on in Europe, and it would be like very educational for me because I might not be so tempted to say what goes on in this little place I went one time and extend it across the continent. All right, I will look for I a think it's single a great idea. person. <laughs> I, I, I actually have an a guy. Expert. An I expert have a on guy Europe. Who, who might okay. be able to speak to that. Because I'll do it right now. In Europe, by which I mean portions of England, <laughs> they actually... Who sip, who which, have, is, which is now a, not part of the European who, Union. Who yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In England, formerly of Europe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, they have a thing called a landing mat. You ever hear of this? No. They like to fish uh. carp. Yeah, yeah. They got yeah, carp with yeah. names on them. Mm-hmm. Huh? And the, the carp have names like like you know it wouldn't be like old Bessie. That's what we'd call it. They oh, would call okay. it uh you know Ferguson Walter yeah Ferguson <laughs> Ferguson the carp Ferguson the eighth. Uh, they'll have a carp, and then a lot of people will catch them, and they'll always be weighing them. And it'll be like the biggest carp was one day someone caught old Bessie, and she was like a Ferguson the eighth, and he was an ounce more than when some other dude caught him. And so they'll be like, well, when I caught Ferguson, he was 31 pounds and three ounces. <laughs> and that'll be like the record. And they have a landing. These guys use a landing mat. You, when you're fishing, you put out like a little rubber bri- like a little rubber ramp out that goes from the beach down into the water. So when you catch Ferguson the eighth, <laughs> you, you, you basically pull him ashore. It's like the red carpet. On a landing mat. <laughs> and then do your whatever you're gonna do to him, not eat him, and then you and then you slide him back down into the pond. Did you know that catch and release is illegal in Germany? Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's interesting. I, I fished over there a couple years ago, and they're. Uh, we were, we were fishing a trout stream and it's like a highly managed trout stream. And the guy we were, we were, we were going with, you know, kind of media connection was, was like, and you know, we got all our, we, we had to go to the post office and get our, our fishing license. Then we had to be at the fly shop to get it to, you know, to reserve the beat for the day. And he, when we're all done with everything, he's like, well, here's, here's your license and here's your fish tag. Hmm. And it was like, it was like a interlocking tag, almost like what you'd put on a, like a deer in Alaska. Gotcha. It was plastic though. Um, and we're like, oh, then no, no, that's, that's fine. We're, we're traveling, you know, we're not going to kill a fish. Like what the hell do we do with it? He's like, catch and release is actually not legal in, in Germany. The green party passed that sometime in the, in the nineties. They're like, well, you know, fishing's one thing. Fishing's okay if you're f- providing food for yourself, but it's, it's animal cruelty to fish just for, just for shits and giggles. Um, so he's like, you have to have this tag with you. You catch and release. You're not allowed to catch and release, but if you 
catch a fish and take the hook out and then it happens to get away from you, then it slipped. That's that's all right. <laughs> but I mean, but really? I mean, it was kind of like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of thing. He's like, we know, like basically said, we never kill fish, but it's illegal not to. They got butterfingers. Yeah, but apparently there was a major prosecution about it. Like a few years before that, there was some guy who's uh, like a, a big pike angler. And there's some great pike fishing in Germany. And he had a video on YouTube of him catching a big female pike and reviving it and releasing it. And he actually was prosecuted no. for that, for not killing that fish, which is just. You know, it's just so it's so interesting how the how 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 far apart the cultures are. See, rich and varied continent. Yeah. If in this yeah. episode I'm talking about, Corinne, there'd be a part where this individual would be like, and then you got Germany. Okay. Can't right. let one go. I'll do some research. I was gonna ask you guys. I would tell you, I would go to Google and I would type in something like um <laughs> Europeans <laughs> with a pan continental interest. In the diverse hunting and fishing regulations of the continent. I will use that research approach. And then uh, see what what pops up. Okay. I'll this got that. really far removed from I was wondering, like, how Whiskey Myers music ends up with having European fans. Can I, t- can I say one more thing, though, real quick? <laughs> I, I, I'm dying to know the answer to that. Can you just hold that? I was with my kids yesterday. Uh, you know, they're, like, at home all day because of the kids. Because of COVID, they haven't been going to school. So they get a little cooped up. And I took them out to check on some muskrat dens we were, uh, had heard about. And um, they find a dead brown trout. Like a big brown, like a 24-inch brown, stone dead. Kind of rotten. They insist it's fresh. <laughs> I'm, across, I'm in my waders and I'm across the creek from them. And they're hooting and hollering about this fish. And they're going to bring it home and show their mom and eat it. And... uh. <laughs> I was like, I wonder, I was explaining to them that, you know, Brown's coming up to spawn and everything. And, uh, I was like, I wonder if he's got, if he had gotten a hook in him or something. And that's what causes demise. And they're like, they report that, yes, he has a hook stuck in his throat. And I said, really? And they're like, yes, it's a silver hook. I go and look at the fish. There is no hook in its throat. We have a big conversation about there's just like not a hook in its throat. Like I don't understand. That night he's telling the story to Cal. There's a hook in its throat. <laughs> just like alternate reality. <laughs> Certain things that get said in the political sphere made a lot more sense to me after that. It's just like <laughs> in his head, there is a hook in that fish's throat, and no absence of a hook is going to make him think otherwise. <laughs> Oh, you want me to make that make sense? It was yes. a European brown. Mm-hmm. Great. Oh, brown trotter from Europe. Very good. Brown trotter from Europe. Wow. If you wonder why I brought that up. Okay, ask your question. <laughs> well, like, how, how does Whiskey Myers develop fans in Europe? Is there like a, a whole group that likes that yeah. sort of music from America? They, yeah, they like American music. Uh, most part of them are really like, like kind of the classic rock sound or the southern rock sound. It's, it's kind of very big over there right now. And so I guess the internet. Well, do they do they view they <laughs> the seven hundred and fifty million people? Um, do they? Uh, okay, if I like a band, mm-hmm. I might like them for years, and then one day be like, "Oh shit, I didn't know they're from wherever." Mm-hmm. 
It doesn't change. Okay. Like I like some stuff. I like an album by M83. I didn't know they were French or the guy was from France. Then later I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Guy's from France. Now you don't like him. No, love him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Does it even matter? Like, do do if you have fans in Europe, are they like, uh, you know, I like music, and then there's some American music I like, or would it just like you know what I mean? Like, does it even like a thing? Yeah, I think it's it's a thing. Like they recognize the, 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 I like music from, from the Southern yep. United States. Yeah, I think so. Mm. At least a big part of our fan base over there, they they're looking for that. They like the idea like that the we're geom- from not Texas. only America but that part of America. Like yeah. cowboy like, culture, I like rock from shit. southern yeah. France. It just isn't something I would ever. <laughs> yeah. There's one of our distributors over there that explained it to me one day. It was just him and I, and he was like, uh, he's like, you know, he said over here, he said they don't have a South. He said they're they're mm-hmm. like infatuated with the way y'all talk and the and how it comes out and all that. So mm-hmm. it's really cool. You know, they don't have that over there. They don't have a bunch of yep. You know. The way we talk and stuff just shakes them up. <laughs> did you guys growing up? Did you grow up hating Northerners? No, no. Can you can you goof on how we talk? Yeah. Oh, Go yeah. ahead. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> I'm not gonna goof on how you guys talk. Uh, I can't do it. <laughs> oh come on, come on. You want a Steve impression? Is that what you? No, no, not no, no. <laughs> yeah. when, okay. When I was growing up, if we wanted to talk about a dude bad about a dude from the South, we had a way we would do it. Right. Right. So ours would just be like a O or the A, like your O's are different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we had a guy the other day. He's like, oh, Wisconsin. yeah, big yeah. box. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I don't know anybody that sounds like that. So anyways, I told, you know, if I tell him like how they sound, they're like, but I don't know anybody that sounds like that. But do for us, when you were a little kid and you were shit talking Yankees, do for us how they would, like I could be like, let's say I was, I was I'd be like, um, Shit, I can't do it now, man. It's hard. <laughs> Let me think about it for a minute. Do do goofing on Northerners. <laughs> don't act like you don't. Don't act like you don't. Don't act like you don't goof on so, Yankees. Okay, here's a good example. We had a bus driver that was from Wisconsin, and he had a real thick accent, and he drank a lot of Mountain Dew. I don't know why, <laughs> but so every that's a Northern drink. Every time we were going to bus call, he'd be like, he would call me, and I would answer the phone. I say hello. Hey, Chris, you think you could drop by the store and grab me a couple of Mountain Dews, bro? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, dude. So that's trying. what we sound like. Yeah, and the fact that he wanted me to get his Mountain Dew for him, I'm like, why yeah. can't you do it? Or like a, <laughs> he go, was cool, though. He go was catch awesome. some walleye. Yeah, some walleye. <laughs> See, when we're talking about Southerners, one of our favorite, my favorite story is one of Yanni's stories. I kind of like stole his story. So Yanni's turkey hunting somewhere in the South or something. I don't know what he's doing. He's turkey hunting somewhere. And a guy pulls up, rolls his window down, hocks out a, like, cascade of chew spit <laughs> and then says y'all hear any turkeys gobble <laughs> <laughs> and that to us um that to us symbolize <laughs> <laughs> you're not far off you're no, not no, far no, off no, 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 yeah mine sucked yours was good well i hit a couple more like goof on northerners for a minute oh that that was kind of like my... what's the impression right I had a guy the other day who used to tell me, oh, yeah, like, he, he says he's kind of like a northerner. He's kind of pretentious. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, like, southern heart, a little bit more homey, friendly. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't warm. I don't know. I mean, honestly, we didn't really know about northerners whenever we were. No, you know, we you never know, even we, left we, our county we until yeah. we got a van. <laughs> oh, we haven't gotten into that. Hold on, real quick. So you grew up hunting and fishing. Yeah. How did, and you grew, your parents listened to music. Yeah. But how did it ever occur to you to like play some music? So that was the first damn question we yeah, were supposed to talk so, about. Yeah, um, so my grandfather on my 
my mom said he was kind of wild, you know. He wasn't around a lot. You you didn't see him a lot, you know. Because he, he was what? He was just out there, you know, getting it. Uh, kind of like the the biker and the you know just a little bit edgy, you know. So you wouldn't see him a lot. He'd go away for long spells of time. Yeah, kind of like that. Uh, <laughs> and he. I don't know that I understand, I guess, but I kind of understand. <laughs> but he 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 kind of played the guitar a little bit, you know, or he had a guitar. And uh, I guess one time I had told him when I was younger, like, I, you know, that's cool. I would learn how to love to learn how to do that. And then years later, when I was about 16, uh, he left the guitar at like uh, my grandparents' house. Like he just showed up and left oh, that I'm sorry, guitar but there. I thought he was your grandparent. Well, yeah, so it would have been uh, her her mom. So he would have been my mom's dad, which we were, they were divorced, you know. So, oh, But he left I'm it. I'm sorry. At, <laughs> no, I'm not saying you're being complicated. I'm just yeah. not. I'm, okay. Your mother's father. Yes. But he was divorced from your grandmother and grandfather were divorced. Yes. I understand that. Yeah. Okay. So he just kind of came by. I don't even know if he even talked Why to anybody. Why did they get divorced? Oh, I don't know. That's way before <laughs> I was born. Yeah. Uh, probably because he's wild. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but he just, years later, for some reason, he he left that guitar on like their their porch or something. And I don't know if he told them or I can't like remember. Like because it for you? Yep. Huh. So he and, remembered that time. Yeah. Yep. And Made so I time. picked it up and kind of started learning so how So he to, didn't come over and show you how to use it. He just it was, left it out. Yeah, it was just left for me. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I went and got it and I started learning how to do little chords and things like that. And then um, John Jeffers, our guitar player, um, I took it over there one day. And I don't even know if he knew, but like his, his dad... Played guitar At what age is this? Teens? 16, 17. Okay. Uh, and I took it over there, and, and his dad actually like knew how to play guitar and stuff, and I don't know even know if we knew that. <laughs> <laughs> and like evidently his dad was kind of, he always played music, and his mom, you know, his mother had been in a band, you know, and he, he probably knew that, but I didn't, um, you know, when they were younger. And then his dad showed us how to play guitar when we were like 16 or 17. Like, like showed you how as in you started really focusing or he's like it basically works like this uh a little of both probably but yeah just showing us like hey this is like this and he was playing and and just taught us some stuff and then it just kind of grew from there really but that's that's how i got into music because my grandpa left a guitar you still have it it got stolen what guitars get stolen a lot so i don't have that anymore where'd it get stolen from so I, it was in my, my, we had a Suburban that we toured in at that time. We How toured long ago was this, Cody? Years and years okay. ago when we first okay. started. and Seven or eight, probably. Oh. Yeah. So I'd left it in there and went inside the house and the, the window was messed up on the Suburban. It would always fall. You remember <laughs> yeah. that? Oh, it yeah. wouldn't. And like, I went back inside the house and our dog died. It died that day or something. So... I went and was like messing with the dog, ended up having to bury it and stuff. And I went back outside and somebody stole the guitar. While you're in Oof. burying a dead yeah. dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My daughter's fish died last night. Yeah. And that's how that happened. And it was gone. So the the window was just like, it would always fall down. I don't know if somebody just had, it was in a neighborhood at that time. I lived in Tyler. Slipped out of the track. And it, yeah, it was around the time they were, they were stealing a lot of stuff. So somebody was just walking by and maybe seen it and just, I just left it in there. It wasn't even very long. What a I shitty back, day. And they, they had stole that guitar. I'd and they a never song found about it. that guitar. <laughs> yeah. Man. They never found it. We looked, uh, we looked around in uh, pawn shops and everything like oh. that. 
And so, and it was one of those things where I was like taking stuff in and then, you know, ended up having to deal with that. And I was like, oh shit, I got to get my stuff out of the car. Stole your grandfather. Cody, what, it was what gone. Kind of, what kind of guitar? What it look like? What's the make? It was, so maybe it was just any, a, it maybe was, any listener it was a super of this podcast. One. Yeah, it was just an old can, uh, uh, Tacomani guitar and it had a, uh, it did have a cigarette burn on it. All right. I so, guess would be from him. So it did have a cigarette burn on it, but it, it, it didn't have any unique features other than that. It was just, you know. Oh, it's so depressing, what, man. Yeah, but that's a true story, man. So for any listeners out there, that's how be we started on the, the band. Lookout. What color was it? Yeah. Just the regular. I don't even know what color. Just like color, just classic brown. guitar. Yeah. Whatever classic the classic guitar. Like a black pick guard. It had a, a cigarette burn under, I believe, under the pick guard. You know, like where your fingers would sit if you sure. were holding. Dude, man, we should do like a national yeah. effort to get your seriously. That was, and that was like contact meat eater if you find a well, guitar. You want to hear another, theft, you want to hear another alarming burn. theft story? Uh, we reported on this. My brother and his buddy were fishing in Alaska, and they got their uh, they had some engine problems, and they got their boat flipped and swamped up against a log when the water was real high, and they hung a buoy off it, and the rain kept coming and. They were waiting for the water to get down so they could go back and retrieve their boat. And they just went back to get it. It's gone. Only thing left is two T-posts sunk in the bank where someone had rigged up some leverage points to jack it out of there. Stole their freaking boat. Are you sure that person thought of it as theft, though? And they weren't like getting garbage? They might have thought it was a salvage deal, but they sure as shit didn't call the police and say, we found a boat. If you found a boat sunk against the log with a buoy tied to it, and you had to go out and get some T posts and sink them in and come along it off there. You don't. You wouldn't get a slight feeling like I wonder whose sure. boat this is. <laughs> it's, uh, you're getting a reward in that case. Uh, on my brother's road. So he used to live down. He used to live by this little. Uh, oh, it's kind of a weird story. Never mind. <laughs> I was gonna tell you a drug car theft story. It's just a long ass story. Without getting into too many details, my brother's buddy gets his truck stolen, and he's suspicious of a of a little meth house down the road. He's suspicious of the inhabitants of a little meth house down the road. But he does a police report and all that. Eventually, gets a call from the cops. His truck's been abandoned a couple hours away, at a gas station, and the cop says oddly. They abandoned your truck and stole the gas station attendant's car. He says, what do they drive? They drive a whatever the hell it was. He goes and looks out his window. He's like, yep, it's parked. (laughs) (laughs) scooby doo that thing, man. It's parked down the road at the house of the people I suspected of stealing my truck. (laughs) Did did they upgrade or was it insulting? I don't remember the the details, but it was just some sly, some sly, uh, you know, burglary. Not as sly as they thought. Uh so what happens next? You guys are screwed because you can't tour and make money doing yeah. everything. Are you are you like like what happens now? How do you be a, how do you be an independent rock band in the time of COVID? Well, we can be that because we are independent and we get royalties. We own our masters, you know. So we so you still would, have income. I think we would have yeah a lot harder time if we weren't independent. Is that uh, right? Yeah. yeah, we're gonna hopefully start up next year. We stopped in like February when everything, you know, everything started closing down. They started canceling shows. And then we were going to go back on the road in like July 
everything was supposed to kick back up in July and all that. And they had, you know, shows still booked, you know, throughout the year. And we would get close two or three weeks out and they'd cancel. And it just kept happening, kept happening, kept happening every time. Mm-hmm. We'd have to cancel right at the last minute. And I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> like, cancel the rest of the year. We'll get we'll get back at it next year. We're just going to move, you know, and so we just moved everything from this year to the next year. Yeah. Because it was just, it was obnoxious being like, oh, you got to come back to work, you know, telling people they had to come back to work at certain times and, and things like that. And then it canceled. And then you're telling the fans we're going to be here. They buy tickets, you cancel. And so it was just one of those things where it's like, and I don't want to deal with like the 25% capacity and all that. It's like, sure. let's just wait a couple months and maybe we can go back at it full steam and have good shows where you can rock and everything and you're not sitting out with mask on spread out at your table and it was just like why not we've been on the road nonstop for 12 13 years i think you know we can take a few months off have you been enjoying the time off yeah i have mm-hmm. been probably doing more uh more hunting and fishing than normal yeah i have I've been fishing a lot, and then, yeah, I just been started hunting. You know, hunting season just opened a couple of weeks ago. Or Did you fish in the summer a lot? Yeah. Yeah. I don't fish a lot in, like, August because it's just, it's miserable. Too hot down there. Yeah, I think so. And then the fish start kind of suspending and doing some different things. They're just kind of funky. You know, mm-hmm. that August and September kind of, the transition in there, it's just a little bit funky, and I, I needed to, like, start writing again and working on the the new album. Gotcha. So, but when both season rolled around, I've been hunting a lot. So, um, tell people, cause they can't come see you right now. Tell people like what, like what, what works for you best for people to want to go explore your music? You know, um, Do you tell people, Oh, just go on Spotify, man. Yeah. There's something Apple, better. Apple music or website, just all social media outlets. Tell people your website. Yeah, whiskeymyers.com. Just really what's what's ever convenient for them. They mm-hmm. want to buy a record, they got a record player, buy a record. They want to stream it, do that, you know. Did you guys get your ducks cleaned yesterday? Yep, we did. Wouldn't you like to have a place like that place? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, they had it going on, man. <laughs> that, I've never hosed down a, a room before. That was uh, yeah. that, That's just, just set up for, for cleaning ducks. That was he wild. had it going on. Um. Yeah, that he's got a uh he's got a pretty special place a lot of a lot of love and attention went into. Yeah. Just for, the for, amount of for game. making a making making duck country. Yeah, we seen I mean how many deer and pheasant and everything else did we see just besides the I don't even I tried to explain how many ducks we seen and I was like I have no idea. We're saying it makes it hard to like get up at three in the morning and go and put your boat in and drive up and get to fight with some other duck hunters and (laughs) get two ducks and yeah, this (laughs) wasn't like that. (laughs) Yeah, well, it was was so funny in the morning too that we were all set up in that blind, all get our deeks out, all our all our stuff nicely stashed, and then we have the side by side roll up. You're in the wrong blind. Get in with me. We're going to the other one. (laughs) Yeah, we're all. They already have limits, and we're like, what? We killed. I thought we were kicking. We killed four. I thought we were doing good. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I'm like, yeah, we're we're talking a couple in here. We're getting some okay shots. We got a couple ducks in the blind. He's like, oh, they already got like 21 birds. Yeah, I was like, oh, I, th- I think we're doing fine, man. Yeah. I'm having a good Felt time. Good. We're seeing a lot of a lot of birds, and he's like, oh no, y'all need to move. Yeah, Crit, but then Crit we got was, over there. We got it. Yeah, real quick. It was they wanted to be right there. Was it that was, your first? Was that your first duck, Corinne? Uh, that was my third duck. 
Yeah. Or your third dog. Yeah. I, I went on my first uh, duck hunt. Or actually, no. Well, I went on a duck hunt with some of y'all last year. Yeah, I knew year. you went, but yeah. I didn't know that you got my one. First, my first actual duck, uh, I went out with um, Hansi. Our, did he let you hose one off the water, or did you, has you only done trying to wing shoot him? Well, we were, I mean, I loved it. I was, we were in the muck. So we um, we canoed in or canoed out and set up a bunch of decoys and we were hiding, you know, underneath the the reeds. And so they were, there were some, God, I'd missed a bunch. And then we were all taking a break and eating and then... A couple were kind of flying high. Maybe I shouldn't have taken the you shot. You hail married at them. I just, like, I didn't even tell anyone I was going to take the shot. I probably should have. Like, everyone had beef jerky in their mouths, and they were chatting, and I just saw a bird come from left to right, and I just shot it, and it went down. What was it? Merganser? Uh, no, it was... Um, what are you looking at? You got it written down? No, I'm thinking oh. about... <laughs> I'm staring into space and trying to... Get it from my mom's Gadwall. my mind's eye. Uh, the black feathers with kind of the white outline. Widgeon. That's yeah. the widgeon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So um I was down there a couple of days before she was there getting a lot of widgeon. Yeah. So and then my second one was was also widgeon. It was like coming to land. Oh. It was it was it was pretty low. It was coming to land among the decoys and uh it was almost like it was i mean it was just a couple of feet off the surface of the water when i got it, it was a pretty easy shot but i just you know it was kind of like <laughs> i felt like that duck was landing in and about to be like hey bob hey joe what's up and then they're like mannequins not saying anything to oh it. i always wonder boom. about that i always wonder about that interaction <laughs> yeah. when a duck lands in a spread no. and after me he's like <laughs> People are all dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everybody's like, because they, they kind of get like a very, they land and they start to get like an uneasy like feeling. They start looking that. around, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those are those are my first two the other week. They're like, I don't know, something just yeah, seems just a little feel, weird. And then, like, and then the lights go out. Yeah. Um, but Zombies. no, yes, yesterday was my was my third duck. I, uh, missed, I missed a shit ton and, and Chris had to... Chris finished off like a handful of my birds for me, but there was one that was just a clean shot. How are you going to cook up like the, the ducks you got yesterday? Yep. Do you have any, like from your mother, do you have any Chinese influenced uh, duck recipes that you try or do you mm. just cook like whatever? Everybody yeah, else my does? mom was not, my mom did like a certain number of things well. Um, never like peaking duck. That That's a couple day uh, effort. Um, but I do have like an old school Chinese cooking uh, cookbook. Um, Are you gonna try something English. like that? I may. Um, Dude, you you. I think yeah. your groove should be like Chinese no. wild game, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I have a friend. I have a friend in town, a dear friend in town, Linda, who is um, a, a a chef from Shanghai, and I was gonna ask her to maybe help me out. With a with a thing, but yeah, maybe that's maybe that's what I what I have to do with at least one of my ducks. What? I don't know if these have enough fat on them. I haven't. Yeah, processed, they're not. Yeah, like they're not like they get a little yet. bit later. Yeah. But when you say your mom did some things well, do you mean that cooking wasn't yeah. one of them, or she did some oh, dishes well? Some. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, no, some some dishes. She well. did some dishes yeah, well, some but, dishes but did well. not do peaking duck. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't really know how many people. Do that at home. That's kind mm-hmm. of like you go to Chinatown and you you buy them. What's that? Uh, what's that Chinese 
preparation for duck that you see in Chinatown in New York where they have them, they're glazed. Yeah, that's, that's, they, that's hang- the Peking duck. Oh, that yeah. is, mm-hmm. where they're hanging up glazed? Sure. Holy yeah. shit, uh, is no, that, that good, man. That's the, you know, and... and I used to buy those things. They'd kind of cut them up with a cleaver. Yep, yep, exactly. It's like you, you, you have all these ducks hanging. In the window. Shiny, they're crispy, they're Oh, my God, fat, that's good, man. And then you, so like, good. stand in line, and it's like the guy with a freaking huge-ass cleaver just like, chop, 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 chop. And then it's just like they pile all this greasy, just delicious duck with sauce. And, like, there's some slight, um, I would say, like, different spices. Some some folks might do more of, like, a five-spice, and they're, you know, slight variations. Um, but I think... I think we need to think about a recipe like that. For yeah, holy episode. shit, yeah. is that good, man? Yeah. Um, that used to be uh, that was like a favorite thing to do when go, to go, you know, in New York, we'd yeah. go find those ducks hanging yeah, in those totally. windows. Yep. When you guys were uh, playing in New York, did you did you do some Peking duck in Chinatown? It's not like a wild duck, man. Whoa yeah, hop. right. No. Yeah, yeah. Wohop. Yeah. 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 Well, what'd you do? Wohop. This restaurant called Wohop. It's in Manhattan. That's so, the one you like. Chinatown. Yeah. yeah. It's very awesome. If you're ever there, get some duck there. Hey, something just, something just occurred to me, Chris. With no touring and you being the tour manager, <laughs> time's getting hard. Oh yeah, but well, yeah, but like Cody said, I mean, we've been enjoying it, hunting and fishing. It's been great. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. It only just hit me. It's like, oh, that's a tour manager. Yeah, you look healthy. Tour manage. <laughs> I'm probably healthier than when we're on the road. <laughs> well, they toured all the way up here. We've been hanging out on their bus every day when I picked them up. That's good. It's a cool ass bus, dude. Man. Steve Steve asked Corinne about shooting a duck off the water before and, you know, referring to, like, northerners making fun of southerners and southerners making fun of northerners. I'm from South Dakota. We would refer to that or, like, shooting a dove off a power line is Arkansasing something. Well, that's because the old uh, Arkansas boats. <laughs> is, that, is, that, okay, is that what you guys... That's would, not... That's from the old market hunter days. That's not like a goofing on the south. Like the punt guns? But, like, yeah. would you yeah. guys would you guys call... What, what would you refer to that as? I, I would, I would be so tickled if you said that. that that's Arkansas. I like that, though. You guys, like you guys don't know thing. about calling it Arkansas on a bird? No. Or if I you never said like that that's, either. That's Michigan or in that's something. That's sluicing where I'm from. Yeah, but, I, dude, we'll we'll report back on this, okay. the etymology. But I, I understand from my father, it has something to do. It's like a reference to a type of rig used by market hunters. No, I, it's I not would, like, you know, those... Mm, Idiots down in Arkansas. That's, that's not what I that. would prefer. I would prefer like these guys. We from still Texas. say Arkansas. It. Yeah, I know, but I would prefer that they call it like, oh, that's uh, that's Scony and something. Like <laughs> someone from Wisconsin would do that. I'm gonna call it Arkansas on it. <laughs> I got a lot of friends in Arkansas. So <laughs> yeah, do they I'm, call it Arkansas and Arkansas? We need to call Clay, Clay Newcomb. Newcomb. Clay Newcomb. Newcomb. Yeah. You know what? I, I can message him right now. Maybe we'll have an answer by the end of the podcast. No, because I'm wrapping it up. Right. <laughs> you got to come back on, Spencer, and report back after you talk to that dude who got all the elk shot okay. off his place. Okay. All right. Whiskey Myers. Find them at whiskeymyers.com. That's a good URL for you guys. Yeah, it works. <laughs> it's not confusing. Um, Spotify didn't go find you. Yep. Spotify. Do you got your own playlist on there? Uh, yep. You're talking to the wrong person by internet <laughs> stuff, man. I, I, I don't savvy. But don't we, got savvy an, we got an affirmative. We yep. got an affirmative from uh, the other Chris. I think we got everything, man. All right, guys. Thanks so much for coming on. It was fun hanging out. Should Thank probably quit you. chewing that tobacco. Yeah. <laughs> um, it may be in the next life. Well, yeah, because if your lip gets a hole routed through it, you're going to sound way different. <laughs>
Yeah, I might whistle more when I sing. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to become one of them professional whistlers. All right, guys, thank you very much. Take care.
After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold.